the Gulen Network Podcast with me, Charlene Yarrow-West, founder of the Relaxing to Birth Online Hypnobirthing, and Karen Wilmot, also known as the Virtual Midwife. We came together to bring you Relaxing to Birth Plus, our comprehensive online antenatal course focusing on labor, birth, and beyond, featuring extensive hypnobirthing techniques, as well as covering the medical aspects of the birthing process. And we always have so much to share and interview birth workers from near and far. And today we're tuning in to someone from Dubai. Hello, ladies. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, I'm really pleased that this is the first in our podcast series where we're talking to birth workers around the world about their difference that they are making where they're living. And today we have Cecile Descali, who is a midwife, who actually we trained together way back, 1980 something, in Durban, South Africa. And then we met up again when we were both working in the Middle East. I was in Oman and Cecile was in Dubai. She is still there and doing absolutely amazing work. So thank you so much for joining us today, Cecile. And we're dying to hear about what it is that you do. Well, first of all, tell us how long you've been in Dubai. So first of all, thank you so much for having me here today, ladies, because I have been enjoying watching your work. I came to Dubai quite accidentally in 1997. It was when I was working in Johannesburg in South Africa and a lovely lady came into the practice I was in and she said, why don't you just apply? And that was in March. And in July, I stepped off an airplane for the first time in the UAE. And it was a bit of an eye-opener, leaving Johannesburg at 12 degrees, arriving at about 10 p.m. at night into Dubai at about 32 degrees. So when I first arrived in Dubai, I was employed to be a midwife. It was, again, a culture shift because there's a lot of differences between birth in Dubai and the Middle East, in fact, and what we are trained to do in South Africa. And I did not actually enjoy being an obstetric nurse. I'm a midwife and believe strongly in women. And that's where I basically changed my whole working style, my whole working environment to education. Because while I can't change what actually happens in birth, and it's a lot better than it was when I arrived here in 1997, it still has a long way to go. And by empowering women and educating them, I can help them enjoy birth their way. And we traveled the same path whereby we realized that there was a lot of change that had to take place. But the only way those changes would take place would be by educating and empowering women with the information so that they knew what was possible. Because if we don't know what's possible, we can't actually get it. And that was how we both moved into offering birth preparation classes, which we ended up doing together separately. And it was such fun. And it's something that you're still really busy doing. And like me, you've also ended up being involved in opening a center. Yes. So, yes, you opened that amazing center in Oman. And we have in our little corner here in Times Square in Dubai, we have a place that mothers can come, they can feed, they can be taught about feeding. And we, like yourself, we encourage other healthcare professionals. We want to give that mom everything that she needs as her tools for her taking care of a baby, whether it's doing a pediatrician talk on 
subjects like reflux, which is a big, big problem we find here in Dubai, to having an osteopath talk about how they can help a mother post-birth with realignment of the pelvis or for the baby when their neck's been a bit stiff or they've got a stiff jaw. We try to encourage all of these people into the center to give talks to educate moms, not only from our side as prenatal, but from the postnatal side as well. And we have selected sponsors that look after our, our prenatal classes to enable women to enjoy the education. More women are able to join the classes. You know, and Dubai, as you know, Car in the Middle East is a, a place of almost privilege and is very expensive in a lot of cases. And we do have a large proportion of the community that are not as privileged and can't afford all those expensive things. So what is amazing is we are reaching all these women as well at the moment. I think what I love about that is the multidisciplinary team approach, you know, bringing in all the different aspects for all the different areas of focus so that it is truly a holistic approach to not just the pregnancy, but also to birth and to the postpartum time, which as we know is when things, when you really need the support. And I think what's wonderful about Malak is that you've created a physical space where moms can come and meet with those experts and meet with other moms. Because the other thing I know for sure and that I love about the work we're doing is the friendships that are created in birth preparation classes. You're brought together by this shared desire for information and this excitement of preparing and planning your birth. You meet other couples who are similar situations. And specifically, when you're working in a place like Dubai, largely with expats, then it's also a way of really making friendships. And those are usually long-lasting friendships. I know certainly from my classes in Oman that many of those friendship circles are still really, really close. They, they've now spread all around the world, but they're still connected by that time that they spent in classes. And I think, Charlene, you find the same thing with the classes that you hold in person and the friendships that are, are built and born around those. Oh, definitely. You find that the moms stay connected. And these days we've got amazing social platforms that allow for even more connection, but also sometimes disconnection because of COVID and not being able to see people face to face. I mean, that's mm. what I wanted to ask you, Cecile. How has COVID impacted your practice and your work? Karen is the virtual midwife, but when we got told we were not allowed to work from the office, we were not allowed to see people face to face, well, amazingly, I was quite ready to go online. And I am personally very impressed with how pregnant women have handled it. I think that for them, especially, you know, they really do need that touch that kind of hug every now and again. So giving them virtual support has been amazing. And they've embraced it. And, and so nice, you know, we're talking about the friendships built, but we are seeing in the virtual classes, people reaching out, talking to each other. The most beautiful thing happened this week. We had a class on I think it was Saturday afternoon. And one of the ladies came on and she said, I just want to apologize to everybody. I'm actually in labor. I'm in the hospital. And even though she didn't stay on the actual class, 
everybody in the class was being asking about her, wondering, you know, has the baby been born? And in the same class was a lady that evening going in for induction of labor. And so what we've done is we've shared the pictures of the new babies that have been born to the whole class. And the amount of amazing wishes and support that they've received from just these seven, eight women that they met online has been Mm. tremendous. They'll have in-person play dates and connections in the park. You know, so it is the starting place. Many of the moms start in these antenatal classes and connect even further along in the future. I mean, I certainly found, you know, I started working as a virtual midwife before it became necessary to be online, you know, because of COVID. And initially I thought, how am I going to be able to do a breastfeeding consultation online? How am I going to be able to have the same kind of connections that I have in person? Because I work largely very much with my intuition. And it really is amazing when you're present and in the moment and you can speak face to face. And even though you're separated by a screen, there's still an amazing connection that can happen. And, and I have found that even with those breastfeeding consultations, it's just about angling the camera, getting the husband or the partner involved. And, 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 and it's amazing. And of course, I still prefer in person, but because of the work that I do with the virtual midwife, what it's done is enabled me to work with women around the world. And that's incredible. And those breastfeeding consults online, initially, you're right. You think never, can't do that. I've got to be hands-on, but a camera angled the right way. And being present, being able to use your intuition, like you said, Karen, that's invaluable. And you mm. still have, even though you're not right in that room at that moment. Unless you end up in the birth space for supporting a birth virtually and the iPad or the phone falls over and you're just watching the roof for an hour. That's happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> You've actually been supporting births virtually. Especially in hard lockdown, you know, we couldn't be there in person. And so the mother wanted some kind of support, even if it was just on a little computer in the background. I think it's like Aaron was saying, your intuition, you know that person, so you can almost read them even if it is remotely. You know, I think as doulas and midwives, we are trained to use all of our senses when we are connecting with anyone during pregnancy, birth and postpartum. So specifically when they're in labor, it's it's what we see, it's what we hear, it's what we are intuiting more than what's actually happening. It's, it's really just taking it to that other level. And that is surprisingly possible online. Do you know who I give a lot of credit to my abilities? Fiona Gilbert. She was at one of the head midwives at Addington and she used to I at that point thought be nasty but you know she taught me to stand back watch not always use my hands to use my ears and my eyes and my heart and in those days I used to think oh gosh I'm working with Fiona again oh my gosh I'm gonna have a horrible shift but today I realized what she did for me I realized she made me think Absolutely, absolutely. Just that whole hands-off approach and really guiding and being present to let the woman step into her power and what's happening with her in labor. I think that's what all three of us do in our classes and in the work that we do with with women and with couples. So now we have to use more of our heart, our ears, our mind, and Mm. less 
and, and in some cases less touch. You know, it's very hard to socially distance at a birth. I can imagine. Impossible. Yeah, you just want to get right in. I always talk about, to women, I talk about spaces. You know, an arm's length away is actually where people can step to but not into. And as a doula, as a midwife, we get extremely privileged because we get invited into that space between the, the arm and the person. You know, we are privileged to be allowed to step into that space and be, become that intimate with the woman. And it's something that I think needs to be more respected throughout the world when a woman is in birth, not assumed by medical professionals, healthcare providers, that they are mm. allowed in that space. Can you tell me what malak means? So the word malak means angel. Our logo is a halo above the letter M. And we, we provide childcare services as well in the homes um, for parents after birth and in the beginning, I will be honest, when the founder of Malak Lily, who was my client, came to me and said, this is what she's doing. Part of me was a little bit like, I don't think that's ever going to work. I don't see how anybody's going to allow someone to come in and take care of the newborn baby. But over the years, I have gained so much respect for our angels because when I can't be with every single mother. I can't be there for every single feed, for diaper changes, etc. Yet they can. And even although they're not taking over the care the mother gives the baby, they're actually caring for the mother while she cares for the baby. And that is actually, I've realized, become an invaluable part of, of what we offer here. So our angels are often, you know, given so much credit that the way a mother feeds, the way a mother parents because of the fact like they are there in that real dark moment sometimes after birth when you're so tired, they're just there to hold your hand while you're feeding and it's amazing. And can you share with us, because I know how much Malak has grown over the last few years, how many angels you currently have? We started off when I joined in 2016, they were up to 30 angels. Right now, we probably have about 150. So exponential growth. The service has been seen as much more valuable than, you know, especially now during lockdown where parents were suddenly basically having to work from home and have to do childcare at the same time because nursery schools were closed. Schools were, you know, closed. Homeschooling was happening. And these girls stepped into the role amazingly well. So is it night nurses or volunteers? No, it's, it's actual nurses that people employ and they can be day or night. Some of our clients have both. So the whole company starts off with prenatal classes with me. Then we move into postnatal support with breastfeeding with my lovely colleague Janice. And we have other ladies who help us because we also do sleep and routines. And then there's the childcare se um, section where they do in-home care for parents back at work overnight, etc. And then we have our kind of community service where we do talks 
we do meetups, we give back to the community by arranging other professionals, et cetera. It's an amazing service, and I know that you're doing it both in Dubai and Abu Dhabi, am I correct? Uh, Janice does Abu Dhabi more than me, but anytime a mum in Abu Dhabi does have a need, if it can't be face-to-face, then we are available online, and we do a lot of um, sleep and routines in Abu Dhabi. Such a big area of need worldwide, I would say, you know, it's just because there's so many inaccurate expectations that are portrayed on social media that really get in the way of the reality of having a newborn and what life is like in the first two years. I'm sure you're quite busy on the help around sleep and sleep routines. I'd say that 90% is in sleep and routines, especially for the small babies. And it's Mm. not, when people talk about sleep, and I, I don't like calling it sleep training. In fact, I call it sleep guidance because it's not about leaving babies to cry not about putting your child down and not picking them up. It's about understanding them, about anticipating their needs, reading their needs, which are very unique. Every child is very different. Every child actually has a unique style, a unique need that people refer to circadian rhythms, but a lot of people I'm not sure actually understand what circadian rhythm truly means. And a circadian rhythm is when you find your natural way of waking and sleeping etc which can be influenced but it can't be completely changed and that's why it's important for parents to read and understand their child and that starts as early as four weeks but it's never ever about babies cry and that's why having individual help really helps so much because there isn't one size fits all. It's a bit like birth preparation, you know. There's no one size fits all because we have to take into account your beliefs and expectations, the cult- cultural beliefs, cultural yes. programming that has taken place. And then, as we know, you know, what is actually available in the country where you're living because hospitals and doctors and birth practices are very different in around the world so what are you Mm. working with where you are and um, I suppose that kind of leads me into the next question what would you say the biggest challenges moms face in Dubai and giving birth in Dubai specifically around around birth practices I would say it's misinformation it's being still made to fear birth as the actual event, still being made to fear that they are not capable of birthing without having an epidural, without having interference. That's Mm. a large of what we focus on in the prenatal is breathing exercises. It's getting women to ask questions, not just accept. Getting women to make their own decisions, getting women to, to make their choice and not feel that they can't ask that important question of why are we doing this? I wanted to ask what the cesarean rate. On the honest side or the the one that we tell the world? Both. <laughs> I'd like to see the discrepancy. So if I talk to my client, I will say more than 50% of my prenatal class will end up a cesarean section. When I talk to them individually, a lot of times, and I will never in, in that talk make a woman feel inadequate, but a lot of times I can hear the convenience that was used with a valid reason behind it mm. to do the cesarean. 
it's something where it's it's difficult to then say to that woman, for your next birth, you're not going to accept so quickly without saying to her, you didn't need that. Because if there are sometimes things that we do that we can't really explain, but it's that intuition, that gut feeling in our practice of knowing that the outcome will be less than optimal if we don't step in. But it's also knowing when we should not be stepping in. And that fine line is very difficult. It can blur. And when you're not the person at the birth, we can often be judgmental and critical, but actually we shouldn't be because we weren't there. We would maybe have made exactly the same decision. Mm. So when I'm talking to a woman afterwards, and I do hear sometimes very valid reasons, my mind's going, yeah, this could have been just a little bit more patience, a little bit more leaving the mum you know, to her own resources, this could have been a vaginal birth. But you can never guarantee that. No. You can never guarantee it. And I, I really agree with you about that very, very fine line. But I think in those conversations, when you do get that feeling like this could have been different, it's coming from something she is saying and her body language when she is sharing her story and the way that she's sharing it. Because I think that's the part for mums. It's not that that you say you don't want to make them feel inadequate or all of those things that we talk about where they feel like they've failed or anything. It's, it's not about that. It's about that deep knowing that they have, that things could have been different, but they just didn't have the tools or the confidence or how to change it or what to say to get a different outcome. They intuitive and also they didn't have the trust in themselves that although there was this little voice that was saying, I'm sure everything's okay, it's very difficult to listen to that voice if you have the person you have put your trust and faith in who has got the expertise saying there's a problem here and we need to step in. It's either taking too long or your baby's tired or whatever. It's very difficult to ask questions and to question that in the moment without that confidence. And it's funny because um, I'm working with a couple at the moment in the Middle East, actually. And she's come to me quite late. She'd already done another online course. And um, she shared with me this morning her birth plan. So she said, and I could mm -hmm. see from the way that she shared that it was something that she'd literally copied and pasted, you know. Um, and when I asked her some questions about what she was sharing, she didn't even understand some of the things that were in her birth plan. So I said, what do you mean by this? And she said, well, I don't know. So, you know, that's not a well um, researched um, birth plan. And she didn't necessarily understand what she was asking for. Plus the fact that a lot of it was expressed in the negative and it was just so long and a lot of it was expecting. So she's actually, by handing over that birth plan, you're handing over your power. If you don't understand what you're asking for, then you are saying, here's my birth plan and hoping that they are going to abide by it or listen to it or do what's in there, but without actually understanding and knowing that the responsibility lies with you to have those difficult conversations. I mean, one of the classic things that was in there was like, I don't want to be induced unless it's necessary. Well, that's a conversation. There's no yeah. like, when is it necessary? It's a conversation and it has to happen in the moment. Yes. It's something that when I'm talking birth plans, I still use of yours is that this is a well-researched birth and I ask you to respect this. We, we are the healthcare professionals. We should have all the background knowledge, and yet we have a limited knowledge in the fact that 
women are capable and can make that choice. And I see, I'm seeing it more now today than ever before in births that a lot of times, you're right, when we give over that birth plan, we, we're handing that power to that person. And in handing that power over, we actually are allowing that person to make the decisions for us. And yet today, the decisions seem to be more obstetric than midwifery. I think it's the perspective that you bring to it. They are looking at mothers from a high-risk perspective and what can go wrong. But you're quite right. As a midwife, you should be looking at the mother as what could go right? What is going right? What is wonderful about this pregnancy? You know, things are going so well. So my other question to you is two questions, actually. Are there a growing number of VBACs or mothers wanting VBACs in Dubai? And are there any home births happening? Okay. So on VBACs, I would say yes, a lot more women are being informed and are making that choice to try and change the, it's a difficult word, isn't it? Because I want to say the possibly traumatic time they had in their first birth, where they were, they felt disempowered and they felt like they were almost disrespected and had a cesarean they weren't given enough chance so they want that second chance to almost prove to themselves that they can um home births in dubai not on the agenda yet i know that there's a lovely doula trying to set up a birth center here i know that she got as far as her plan her, her business plan going to the ministry of health i don't know if that's move forward when you go to somewhere like the ministry of health or the the authorities and they tell you this needs more investigation that means they're not entertaining you i think i have three um business plans sitting collecting dust with the ministry of health i still think we need to explore it paradigm shift that has to happen around the world that birth should not necessarily be happening in hospitals and covid was actually something that came in and highlighted it because all of a sudden women didn't want to be in the place where everybody had COVID and they started seeking alternatives and there weren't any. So there was more awareness and more people seeking home births and not enough people to provide the service. And those who wanted the in-between, who didn't want to go from one extreme to the other because they are they are really on opposite ends of the pole, hospital birth and home birth, they wanted that in-between and the in-between is a birth center. And if we could have more birth centers and more midwives and more midwife-led birth centers, there's no doubt in my mind that birth would change. Do you see a lot of um, VBAC women coming to help you to have help with making different choices this time around? I mean, do they actively seek out a new obstetrician? Are there obstetricians that are supportive of VBAC in Dubai? So we, we have a changed obstetric community. So when I first came to Dubai, I will be honest and say that the doctors that we worked with back then, we had some great doctors, but some of them were less than optimal. And today, while we still have a lot of doctors who do believe in medicine, that's what they trained in. I'm not criticizing them for that at all, but we also have an amazing set of doctors who are fully supportive of women who actually spend more time than doctors are generally expected to spend with their clients 
and that are very supportive of EVAC. So I get a lot of women who contact me for a second baby saying, I want to basically be more prepared. I want to make different choices. And what I love is if they come early enough, when they come and they say, I want help selecting the right doctor this time, because we don't really think of it as a selection process, but it actually is a selection process. You need to find someone who talks the same language as you. And I'm not talking about English or Afrikaans or German or Spanish or something. Talk about the same birth language. And if you can't find someone where you can understand their language and they understand your language, a VBAC will not be possible. And I encourage a lot, and I, there's a lot of lovely doulas out here, um, that I work alongside. And I've always had great respect for the doulas I, I have met over the years. And I really, really enjoy the fact that I can then say to the mum, select a doula, have that person there. That's not going to interfere with the medical staff with you, but that's going to advocate for you and support your husband in that birth. That's going to make sure that you're making the right choice from the right language. Because even here, uh, I don't know, Charlene, if Karen's told you, when they walk into the hospital, that's the first time they meet their midwife. You, for the first time, walk in and a stranger is going to do a vagina examination on you. You know, that's, wow. I mean, yeah. and that's something I would like to see. I would like to see women being allowed to use a private midwife, even still in a hospital setting here. That's what but I wanted mid- to ask you. Was, mm-hmm. is, are there any midwife-directed births at all, well, anywhere? You see, I think all births are midwife-directed. Why? Yeah. Because the doctor doesn't stay with them during the labor. The doctor arrives at yeah, the yeah. end. And you and I both know the skill is not that actual moment of birth. The skill is getting that mother to that full dilatation, breathing that baby's head onto the perineum and keeping both mother and baby healthy at that point. The actual birth, yes, there's a skill to it, especially to have an intact perineum, but that's not the full process. I, no, I hate the word process. It's, I understand exactly what you mean. It's, yeah, it's like it's, for, the, for the surprise at the end. You know, yeah. but you've walked this very long journey with this yeah. mother, only so, having met her when she arrived at the hospital, which is also quite difficult, must be. Yeah. The, 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 I heard it described beautifully. The, the view at the top of the mountain cannot be unless you've climbed the mountain. Not sure if I got the words right, but they were essentially saying, you can't enjoy that view if you haven't gone up the mountain. And it's the going up the mountain, getting to the top of that mountain that you need to negotiate, navigate. You need to put the hard work in and then you can enjoy the view. And that to me is what birth is. So how we get there, however, is going to take some skill. So Thank you, everybody. That was a wonderful chat. Yeah, really good. So thank you for having me on today. I really, really enjoyed chatting to you guys. And please, can we do this again, maybe in six months, where we catch up and I do it from my side where I can interview you and we put you out in Dubai as well. 
Absolutely. And if we get any emails around sleep issues, then we might even call on you and do like a guest guest call where you can talk us through, you know, what you do when you <laughs> so do a sleep consultation. Today. If Thank somebody you so sends much for joining us, us on the Relax Into Birth Plus podcast with doula Charlene Yarrod-West and myself, the virtual midwife, Karen Wilmot. Don't forget to subscribe so that you get every single episode and never miss out on any of the juicy news and interviews that we're bringing you. And check out our pages. The notes and links are on the show notes.